Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, for the second time in three weeks, our lectionary takes us to Jerusalem in those final days before the betrayal and crucifixion of Jesus. As Jesus looks over the city and foretells the destruction of the temple and the fulfillment of all things when he comes again in glory. But two weeks ago, we were at the end of our liturgical year, the culmination of our journey through Mark's account of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And our focus was on the judgment of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. But this week, this week we're at the beginning of our liturgical year. We're starting our journey through Luke's well-ordered account of the things that have been accomplished among us. We are looking at the fullness of the redemption when the Son of Man returns in glory. And so today, in this time, I'd like to first introduce us to Luke's Gospel. Then we'll look at the season of Advent, and then we'll look briefly at our Gospel lesson before concluding with an invitation to the practice of lament during this Advent season. We'll start with a brief introduction to Luke as we begin this liturgical year. And this year we'll focus on two primary Lucan themes. We'll follow first the pilgrimage theme that runs through Luke and Acts as we follow Jesus from the ministry in Galilee to the long journey from Galilee to Jerusalem and the cross. Then following the resurrection and ascension, We'll continue the pilgrimage in Luke's second volume that we call the Acts of the Apostles as we follow the movement of the Holy Spirit in the church from Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And the second theme that we'll explore in Luke is the clash of kingdoms. We begin with the clash between the eternal and the temporal, between the empire of Rome and the kingdom of God. In the birth narrative, Luke in 
intentionally contrasts the temporal kingdom of Rome with the eternal kingdom of God now manifest on earth in the incarnation. The birth narrative begins in the days of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, the one proclaimed by earthly heralds in this way. Since providence, which is ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit mankind, sending him as a savior both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, exceeded even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors and not leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good news, the evangelion for the world that came by reason of him, this is what Rome proclaimed about Caesar in the days of Caesar Augustus. According to Luke, the angel heralds have the audacity to proclaim to mere shepherds, fear not, behold, I bring you good news. I bring you an evangelion of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The kingdom of God placed in stark contrast to the empire of Rome. We'll see this clash between the retribution that characterizes the kingdoms of this world and the restoration that characterizes the kingdom of God. Luke records Jesus initiating his public ministry by naming himself as the fulfillment of this prophecy. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh, such beautiful restoration in the kingdom of God set against the retribution of the kingdoms of this world. We'll see the clash between the boundary setting and exclusion of the kingdoms of this world set against the comprehension and inclusion of the kingdom of God. Luke's gospel begins with the description of Jesus as the day spring from on high who comes to give light to those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. His gospel account ends with the risen Christ declaring to the disciples, peace be with you. And the promise that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all the nations in his name. And then in volume two, we hear about the acts of the apostles and the ever-expanding mission of the Holy Spirit from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We hear about the Lord adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
And we hear Paul concluding his ministry, echoing Isaiah and then declaring, let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to include even the Gentiles. The glorious inclusiveness and comprehension of the kingdom of God set against the kingdoms of the world who seek to divide and exclude and draw boundaries. In the coming year, I look forward to exploring these themes of pilgrimage and contrasting kingdoms with you as we journey through Luke. And these same themes serve as a backdrop as we enter the season of Advent, our season of longing, the season in which we recognize our own pilgrimage journey and see the stark contrast between the kingdoms of this world and the promised glory of the kingdom of God. If we look at the declaration of our faith that we recite each week in the Nicene Creed, we see that this Sunday moves us from our celebration of the already reality of the kingdom of God with Christ seated at the right hand of the Father as we celebrated Christ the King Sunday last week, to the longing for Christ to come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and that time when indeed his kingdom will have no end. This is the longing in Advent for the not yet of the kingdom. As we walk together through Advent, our theme this year will be longing for love. Today's epistle, Paul prays, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. May God bring us back together and reunite us. May the Lord unite us and perfect us in love so that we are prepared and ready to live in the fullness of the kingdom of God. John describes this perfection in love in this way. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see Christ as he truly is. Now with this in mind, let us turn to our gospel reading today and explore the challenge of perspective between kingdoms as we hear Luke's well-ordered account. As Jesus casts this vision of his return in glory, we are challenged to consider the perspective, the contrasting perspectives between the kingdoms of this world and the glory of the kingdom of God. We celebrated Thanksgiving this week, right? And so I want you to picture for a moment in your mind the perfect turkey. Golden brown on the outside, perfectly seasoned, 
Took, cooked to tender, juicy perfection, shared in fellowship with a family gathered around a table. The fullness of everything a turkey should be. This isn't really fair this close to dinner time, I know. But consider this perfection of the turkey. And now consider it from the turkey's perspective. Don't squeeze the metaphor too hard, but allow it to open your imagination to see the thing, how things might be different between a temporal perspective and internal perspective. Consider this difference as we look at Christ's return from an eternal perspective versus a temporal perspective. We see it even in the language we use to describe this glory. Do we use eschaton, the end of all things? Or do we use telos, the perfection, the culmination, the coming to fruition of all things and the beginning of eternal glory in the new heaven and the new earth? I look at this as a vision of the telos, the conclusion of that great rescue plan of God that Jennifer talked about today perspective as we witness the chaos and tumult of the world around us, the roaring of the sea and the waves, even the shaking of the heavens, will we be worried in our temporal perspective? Or in faith, will we adopt the eternal perspective as we lift up our eyes in anticipation? Will we be perfected in love or trembling in fear? This is the challenge of our gospel today. This is the challenge of Advent. And lament is one of the ways of prayer that invites God to change our perspective. Lament invites the Holy Spirit to place in us an eternal perspective. And as Jennifer and I discussed Advent this year and explored this season of longing for love, Jennifer commented, Lament is not only the language of longing, it's also the language of love. I admit I had to ask for a little bit of clarification or perspective when she said this. But lament teaches us the vulnerability to speak the deep truth and longing of our hearts. And lament teaches us to sit with rather than to try to fix what we cannot fix. The practice of lament teaches us to name before God the things that are not right. To name our own inability to fix these things. And even to declare God's responsibility to fix them. And then we wait. We wait in the presence of God, and it is in this waiting that we are able to respond in praise, praising the character and nature of God, praising the love that he has for us, even when our circumstances do not change. And so as we enter into Advent, I invite you to notice the circumstances around you, to notice where you see darkness, fear, and division. Name these before God. 
Name these and then demand that his light, his love, and his reconciliation be made manifest. Notice where you see hopelessness and despair. Name these before God and demand that his hope and faithfulness be made manifest. Notice where you see the oppression, injustice, retribution, exclusion, and divisiveness of the kingdoms of this world. Name this before God. Name this and demand that the righteousness, love, and unity of the kingdom of God be made manifest. Notice, name, demand, and wait. Wait. We'll be walking this way of lament throughout Advent. So I urge you not to rush through this time of noticing the brokenness around us and naming it boldly before God. Advent is indeed a time of waiting, and I invite you to wait, to listen and to watch for God to respond. Wait and look for the ways that the kingdom of God is breaking in around us. Perhaps in this time, we will see the fig tree and all the trees starting to bud. Perhaps in this time, we in this community and we in all the world will indeed be brought together and united. Perhaps we will be perfected in love and prepared to live in the fullness of the kingdom. May it indeed be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.